Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time in your word, Lord, and I ask that you would calm my spirit, give me the gift of teaching, Lord, help us to glean whatever it is you have for us this night. I thank you for the women coming out on a a night where it looks like it might rain and it's windy, and I just thank you that they pushed through and they came out, and we ask that you would bless our time together in Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever woken from a nightmare and then it because it seems so real, maybe it's something that your husband did during the dream that you were really mad about. And it seems so real that you just couldn't even shake it. Like it stays with you the whole day. Um, that happened to me this week. And then you're upset and it's just it's so stupid, you know. But your mind, it can just take things. They have such a capacity. And it seems we are thinking all the time about something. The brain, three or four pounds of gray matter between our ears, yet an amazing instrument with astounding capacity. From birth to age five, a child's brain develops more than at any other time in life. And so if you have children, remember that. Um, An early brain development has a lasting impact on a child's ability to learn and succeed in school and in life. The quality of a child's experiences in those first few years of life, positive or negative, helps shape how their brain develops. And so what we dwell on does affect our lives and those around us. But before we begin discussing our topic for tonight, which is discipline of the mind, we're going to quickly review from our few past summer studies, just so that you guys have those uh, definitions. Our first study this summer began with the discipline of submission, which we discussed all disciplines come back to. Submission being that complete surrender to the Lord in our lives, no matter what area we are discussing. We discussed the posture of godliness. We also discussed discipline itself, and it came down to being humble and compliant, ultimately, to the Lord in living a spirit-controlled life. Last time, we studied the discipline of prayer and worship, and that was the posture of the heart. And truly, where is our heart at when it comes to prayer and worship? And we discussed that. Are we disciplined to do these important things? And so tonight, we're going to look at the discipline of the mind, being humble and compliant to living a spirit-controlled life in regards to what we put into our mind and what we dwell on. And I look at that as the discipline of integrity. And integrity means incorruptibility, an unimpaired condition, soundness, the quality or state of being complete or undivided. And so we many times we look for integrity in others, but we need to exercise it for ourselves with the Holy Spirit as our guide in everyday life. Our key verse that I've memorized, and I encourage you to do the same, is Colossians 3, 1 through 3. And it says, If then you were raised with Christ, and you were if you're a believer, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when you go back to the King James, that set your mind is set your affection in the Greek. So set your affection. And that means to exercise the mind, to be mentally disposed earnestly in a certain direction, intensively, to interest oneself in with concern or obedience, to regard or savor or to think. 
And we can easily be mentally disposed earnestly in a certain direction. It can be as simple as VBS week. All of us were like, VBS, that's all it was, was VBS all last week, Vacation Bible School. And my mind was right there all week because I had five grandboys at our house day and night. We kept them. And so that's where my brain was. I didn't um, set my mind on the house being a certain way or me looking a certain way. I just didn't set my mind on anything else but those kids. And so all week, um, that was where my affection was. I wanted to bless them. I wanted to manage them all. I didn't want to go crazy, all that stuff. Um, but I still got up early before them and was able to read the word, and that was a must. But we can, um, you know, that could be a good thing, but we can get glitched and not see the bigger picture sometimes when we're so set on one thing. And so I was so set on that that I nearly fell apart at the finish line. It was the last night. We were getting ready to go to the dinner over here. Five boys. We cleaned up all the toys, packed all their bags, had them all organized, ready to go, had their pajamas set out. So they come home, they take showers, mom and dad pick them up and they go. We had it all ready. Jim comes home and he's like, these kids, they need to get outside. They need to go on the trampoline. They need to get their bathing suits on and jump. And I'm like, no, because I'm like, if you're a mom, you know what happens. They pull stuff out. It gets all crazy. And then they have to get redressed. It was like 4.15 already. And then you got to dry their bathing suits and you got to pack it all back up. And so I, I was not happy. So I pretty much fell apart and he did it anyway. So, but we can get so set on things that we can't see beyond and so, you know, it could be good or bad. But we can also set our affection or savor or think on things that are not godly. We can allow the enemy to stir up thoughts that we should not be savoring. And savoring is like dwelling, going over and over something in our mind or thinking on or looking in that direction. And I had to go back to this verse in Colossians just the week before last. I came home and I had done a bunch of errands and, you know, you listen to some of the news and I was just sick of everything. I was sick of what I saw, sick of what I heard. I was just sick of everything. And so I was texting Jim saying, I'm sick of everything. <laughs> and so he's like, look up. And I'm like, he's right. So I went back to Colossians 3, 1 through 3. I'm like, I have to set my affection on things above. I can't be looking at all this stuff because... Ultimately, you know, I have no control except to pray and to do my best to be a blessing to others. So my mind was set on negative thoughts and frustrations and irritations. And so I had to look up. I had to. There are many things we can set our minds on that will not edify us or anyone else. And you may be comparing yourself to others, their lives, their looks, their achievements, their children, their husband. You may have impure thoughts. You may be dwelling on self-pity, worry, unforgiveness, struggling with an addiction, dwelling on past mistakes. You can fill in the blank here. And I think we all know pretty much what is right or wrong to be dwelling on. And so these next verses that I'm going to give you are the same Greek definition from the Strong's Concordance that I gave you in Colossians 3 about setting our affection on. And so Romans 8, 5 for they that are after the flesh do mind, or they set their affection on the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And so we're supposed to set our affection on the things of the spirit. 
Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So our affection needs to be on Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind or set their affection on earthly things. So we're going to talk a bit about those things we should avoid or refuse. And it's the power of refusal. And the only way we have that power, it's given to us by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Part of having a Christian mind is to say no to godly influences. And as we train our children or our grandchildren and ourselves as well, what things do we teach them to refuse and what things do we personally refuse? Um, Obviously, when you look at the TV, there's a lot of things you could refuse on there, a lot. Um, Music, a lot of music we could refuse. Um, The cell phone, we have it. But there's a lot of things, we've talked about that many times, that we could refuse. The computer, ungodly choices in friends, places, certain books, movies. There's a lot of things that we can assess and see if it's something we should refuse. And here's an old quote. As the images of television increasingly become the favored method of communication rather than words, people lose their capacity for reasoned thought. They therefore lose the ability to possess the mind of Christ. And this was an old quote, probably from the 90s. And now we have the cell phone, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, all those things. Um, And on it goes. And we live in a picture-driven world. And we see everybody scrolling, pictures, pictures, pictures. And, you know, they're not really getting a lot of reading or content. If they see too much reading, they skip it because it's just pictures. We want pictures. So um, I see the truth in that today. And here's another old quote. A culture that is rooted more in images than in words will find it increasingly difficult to sustain any broad commitment to any truth since truth is an abstraction requiring language. And so the language we need for us and for our kids and for our children and to share to a lost world is the word of God. We definitely need the language of the word of God. And it does not mean we have to give up all TV and cell phone and all that stuff. You all know we do need to set boundaries, healthy boundaries, and we know that what comes in is going to come out. We just talked about the brain of a five-year-old and how much affects them as they grow up. So much of their brain is developed by five. Psalm 103, two through three in the New Living Translation says, I will lead a life of integrity in my home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. So we shouldn't settle for mediocre. We should strive to be different, strive to have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we are to deny ungodliness. Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And hopefully that's what we're all doing, looking up, looking for that blessed hope. So we need to refuse the bad, but intentionally put in the good. 
And our prayer should be, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me the obedience to submit my thoughts to you. And now we're going to go to Philippians 4.8, which is another key verse for the mind and gets us in the positive direction. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. So we are to take that into account to consider these things. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. If you want to turn there, feel free to do that. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. And this portion of scripture in Ephesians is power-packed. And it can be a lengthy study in and of itself. And so obviously I'm not going to be able to go very deep into it. But it's another great one to memorize. It really is an awesome one to memorize. Ephesians 6.11 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we must rely on his might and then move forward and do the work. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So the war in our mind oftentimes is spiritual. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And so we should suit up with the whole armor of God every day that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which we are living in an evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So thoughts, feelings, imaginations, fears, discouragement... And lies, all of these can be hurled at us by Satan as fiery darts. And faith turns them back. And then it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, and we talked about prayer last time. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, all the believers, all the people we know and love. So we can battle spiritually not only on our own behalf, but also on the behalf of others. The soldier isn't only concerned for his or her own safety. She or he feels an instinct to protect and to, bat to battle on behalf of others as well. God gives the believer a full set of equipment and he sends us out into battle with everything we need at our disposal. So I encourage you to do a study on these verses that we just read because there's a lot there. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And how do we do that? Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the renewing of your mind means a renewal, a renovation, complete change for the better. And it means the same thing here in Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And we just had our 40th anniversary and our son made us a little video thing where he sent it out to some people and um, people we haven't seen for a long time and they got to say something to us and wish us a happy anniversary. And this gal was on there that we haven't seen for probably 10 years and we were shocked to even see her on this video and she shared that she remembers something that Jim told her a long time ago because we were at a church with her a long time ago and she said he said the renewing of the mind comes by the washing of the word and she says I must say that to myself once every day and I was like wow when you think about you don't think that you have any influence on people and then she tells you that she she thinks of that every day the renewing of the mind comes by the washing of the word and that's how we cleanse our mind keep it in the right direction the human mind has astonishing capacity beyond any computer no computer will be able to think God's thoughts or know the heart of God or do his works but the mind does and it is actually what we were designed for we were created to have the mind of Christ we need to program it wisely never leaving it unguarded unthinking and undisciplined and as you know Jim always talks about it's a hard drive and what we put in is what's going to spill out and so we need to keep washing ourselves with the word keep washing our children with the word your grandchildren Isaiah 55:11 so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it and that is so beautiful such a great verse for us for our kids for our grandchildren when we were at vacation Bible school and you see the kids learning about the Lord um, pastor Tony did such a great job with the fourth and fifth graders and he just had them in the word he had them repeating the word and it's encouraging because one of my grandsons there does not know the Lord and I was like he was repeating these things he was looking up verses and so it's going in and so it doesn't return void so our choices make all the difference to our minds no matter our past we can renew our mind we can discipline our mind to godliness and I read that it takes 26 days in a row for you to make a habit and so if you decide to spend time in the word for 26 days it's going to become a habit um, that's what research says and I think it's just true if we do something we just get in the groove so we need to go continue to go back to dwelling on the pure and the lovely like it says in Philippians 4 8 and it can be challenging and we've talked about the positive side over and over in our time in ladies study we know we need to be in the word or our minds will not be where they need to be we need the word of God daily you do need your quiet time dose after dose and you cannot be profoundly influenced by what you don't know. And so if you're not reading the word, you're not going to know it. The way to a Christian mind is through God's word. We want to be directed by God in all we do, in our relationships, our ethics, our decision making, our parenting, our choices, our jobs, etc. We desire the discipline of integrity. I'm sure we all do. Which comes by the renewing of our mind, by the washing of the word. And so, Psalm 119, 97 to 100. 
says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Talking about the word of God. Everyone has a capacity to learn differently. We all know that there are some people that can't even read, and that's okay. Um, Reading levels can be different. Memorizing abilities can be different. But we can stretch ourselves. I think we all know that most of us are not using our full brain capacity. I mean, it says we, we barely use any of it. And so we, we could stretch ourselves. The ability to read is not essential to the word of God because we know we can listen Uh, We can join a Bible study. We can challenge ourselves in ways we may not think. And whenever we try, we can move forward, or we should be moving forward. But if we don't even try, we're going to stay at a standstill or maybe even fall backwards. We can fill our minds with good literature as well, good choices in reading for pleasure or for learning about a Christian who has gone before you to illuminate some God given truth that you can implement or help make you aware of pitfalls that you can avoid or a believer who has endured what we may never have to or hopefully will never have to but has shown the faithfulness of God in their lives the power of forgiveness the strength of perseverance etc and it inspires us you know a lot of times when we watch the Olympics we get so inspired I guess they're coming up again but when I was a kid I used to watch it and go I want to do that I want to flip like that and you just would get all inspired but spiritual heroes of the faith can spur us on to love and good works obviously the Word of God is our most important book. But there are other books that can bless us, equip us, and encourage us. Our minds can be filled with good things. And the book that I've taken the study from is called The Discipline of a Godly Woman. And it's a book I use to disciple young women. And it's a book I refer to often because it's filled with scriptures. Filled with scriptures. And that's how we look at books when someone hands us a book and says, What do you think of this book? The first thing I do is look and see if there's any verses in it. If it's somebody's just their words, their words, their words, it's like, eh, you know, it should have a lot of the word of it in it. So if you look at a, a marriage book, a parenting book, do they refer to God's word for the final authority? So let's not allow the world to program us, but the divine programmer who can equip us through his word and the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of godliness for ourselves and as an example to others and to have that posture of integrity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this short time in the word. And I do ask as we get into small groups, Lord, that we would encourage one another in this topic, how we... um, are able to keep our focus on you and your word in a world that's pressing in on us in so many different ways. Help us to encourage one another, to pray for one another. And so, Lord, we do thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.